Welcome to our Thought Leaders Talk Business Podcast, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I am your host, Debbie Fleeman. Our guest today, Nicole Walter, is the President and CEO of HM Manufacturing, a United States-based company that manufactures gears, timing belt pulleys, spleens, shafts, chain sprockets, sheaves, and related parts for power transmission and precision mechanical components. The company offers custom assembly services and engineering support from its 10,000 square foot facility located in Wakanda, Illinois. Industries served include pharmaceutical, aerospace, marine, medical, packaging, food and beverage processing, and automotive. Nicole has a background in engineering and finance and joined HM in 2009. She worked in a variety of departments and was promoted in 2015 to Vice President of Operations. With over 10 years of experience in manufacturing, her experience includes in-depth training on manual lathes and milling machines, and she is NIMS and CAD certified. Since starting at HM Manufacturing, Nicole has overseen a renovation of the company's technology and manufacturing processes, as well as the addition of new technologies, including a new ERP system. Nicole has played a major role in the expansion of HM Manufacturing marketing and social media presence in an effort to broaden its reach, increase sales, and instill teamwork among employees. Nicole's leadership and vision have helped HM Manufacturing to thrive and become a leader in the power transmission components industry. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us today in the studio. And you are known for promoting manufacturing and supporting the next generation of manufacturing leaders. Can you share how your activities demonstrate your commitment to the next generation? Absolutely. And and thank you for having me, Debbie. It's definitely an honor. Um, You know, it actually started at the Technology Manufacturing Association when they asked me to be a trustee for their education foundation. And uh, to this day, they've actually donated $2.2 million to local high schools for their manufacturing programs and to promote manufacturing to the younger generations. Um, And and through that whole advocacy, I have met some fantastic um, teachers and principals and Um, have been on their advisory board for McHenry High School, as well as Lake Zurich High School. And um, they've come to me and said, okay, here's our program. What do you think of it? We're trying to get local manufacturers to see what they think of of our program. Is it going to be beneficial to these kids going forward to um, get jobs? Are these the type of skills that are needed? And it was a nice collaboration between McHenry High School and some of the local manufacturers because we were able to stem two different type of programs, one on the machining side of things and the other side for welding. 
And with like Zurich High School, which which was great, they don't necessarily have a manufacturing program, but they do have engineering and they have robotics. Um, and of course, they have something called the Incubator EDU, which is kind of like a Shark Tank business philosophy. And I decided to partner up with these two schools because I thought they were just so innovative. And I thought that they could bring a lot of good to my company. Um, you know, the average workforce that I have here is around 32 years old. So I have anywhere from 18 years up into the mid 40s. And it's, it's nice to see the different array of uh, people that are out in my shop. And I think it's good for the younger generation to see that it, we're relatable, we understand the technology, we are pushing to innovate. And a lot of our newer machines have the iPads and they have the really cool gadgetry. And so that to me is a great thing. And I know that with the younger generation, they like to see that. And so I partnered with both of these schools. And for the Lake Zurich High School, they come in and they shadow my office space. So if they're interested in engineering, they go to my CAD department in engineering or R&D. Um, sometimes they're really interested in marketing uh, or sales. And so then they kind of come and, and they do the marketing spiel with me or the sales tactics. And I've seen a lot of these kids be able to take my Instagram, my Twitter, my LinkedIn, and, and be able to amplify it and make it better. And it just, the way that they're able to write the content is so different. And I think it, it kind of pushes the boundaries. And I think that's why we've been able to grow to a larger scale is because it's different. It's not the stale way of how manufacturing talks to one another. It's, it's new, it's fun, it's creative. And then on the manufacturing side with McHenry High School, they come in and if they're interested in CNC work, uh, depending on their age, because you, know, you have to be very cognizant of insurance and, and what they're able to do. So if you're 18 years, you can definitely run a machine depending on your qualifications that you've learned through the manufacturing program at McHenry High School. Or if you're under, you could go into my R&D, you could go into inspection. And it's just a great collaborative efforts between everyone here at the company and it's a six-week program they are paid $15 an hour and I think that's super important because if you're going to McDonald's and you're already getting paid for $15 and you really don't have much skill set I think it's important for these young kids to see that you could start off at $15 and work your way up into the high 20s low 30s 40s even depending on your skill set and for those that don't want to go to college this is a great avenue and we're trying to promote and i have a state-of-the-art facility here so they can see that and and it's all about just being uh transparent and they can see what it is to be in a small business to see the opportunities that are afforded to them and know that there is actually a career path and different pathway than just going down the university route and so it, it's been a great success i've had students for the past three years, except for COVID, which has been sad, but um, they learn a lot from us. I learn a lot from them and uh, it, it's, it's been great so far. That's wonderful to hear. Nicole, you've been recognized by several prestigious organizations. In 2016, the Daily Herald Business Ledger awarded you and HM Manufacturing their annual award for business excellence in manufacturing. Then in 2017, you were honored with the Influential Women in Business Award by the Daily Herald Business Ledger. 
And in 2019, you were selected as an honoree of the 2019 STEP, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Production, AHEAD Awards. You have been a go-to for the media to hear about how you're helping to promote manufacturing in the United States. What activities have you been involved in and where else have you appeared? Um, I feel like I've been everywhere, almost to a point where it's probably annoying to see my face all the time. But um, I actually had the honor to be on The Hill TV. It's um, a TV show that's pretty much based out of Washington, D.C. And there I discussed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that I was such a proponent for. Um, it helped my company tremendously. We were able to purchase $550,000 worth of new machinery, which meant New technology meant I could hire more for my workforce. I was able to give um, pay raises and bonuses, and uh, I was even able to do 100% uh, healthcare uh, paid for that the employees didn't really even have to touch a dime, which was fantastic, and they were super happy about. And, and that's almost unheard of in, in today's age. So um, that was fantastic, and it was. It was a new experience for me. I've never been on live TV, and I was definitely nervous, but it was great. Um, the Daily Herald here in Illinois, um, someone heard my backstory, um, and actually it was because I won an, the Influential Women in Business Award in 2017. And as I went up to accept the award, I was talking about the ebbs and flows of being in a family business, what actually transpired in my business, and how we were able to grow from it. And um, there was uh, Kim Micas, who was the main editor at the time at the Daily Herald. She heard my story and she wanted to know more about it. So I pretty much talked about the story of and the struggles that happened in 2009 to 2010 and how we almost lost the business. And that's pretty much how I started to really get into the media more was that I was relatable in the sense of a family business, but we've been through a lot of struggles and we were better for it and how we grew and how we became what we are today, how we've gone from different industries. That has been very fun. And then when I was at the Latino Coalition with the Job Creators Network, um, and I got to meet the vice president for the first time, Mike Pence, and talking about what we're doing with diversity, how we're trying to change the face of manufacturing, make it more fun, cool, um, exciting for Generation Z, as well as talk about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. I feel like everything is always interrelatable when it comes to these types of politics. Um, and then being in Cranes, which was great. Um, you know, they've asked me a lot of things in the past about different policies and how it's helping manufacturing small business, including mine. Um, the USMCA roundtable that I was a part of last year with the vice president, that was really exciting. We were able to get 15 CEOs from all different walks of life, anywhere from Fortune 100 companies down to small manufacturers like myself that employ about 22 people, and talk about how important it is to streamline the USMCA and the benefits that it would help for the small business as well as large manufacturers. So it's, it's been fun. I, I try to dabble in every little thing that I can, promote manufacturing, get young to get the younger generation in here. I think it's super important for the longevity of manufacturing and also the innovation aspect of things. And however I can help and, and be a resource, I try to be in, in every part. 
Well, you've been a very good representative, especially for women in manufacturing. And also, I hear congratulations are in order for you being named one of Crane's 2020 Notable Women in Manufacturing. This is really an achievement, and congratulations again, Nicole. That's great. Can you tell us a little bit about this recognition? Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't qualify in in years past just because it was also based on your profits and as well as your annual sales. And it was really fun to see that um, in 2019, when they capped everything um, for the deadline, that I actually was going to be able to to participate, that we could actually go up for this award. And that was very exciting in itself. And, you know, the the award highlights 34 women in Chicago, uh, primarily in the STEM fields. Um, So it's anywhere from manufacturing to engineering to any type of industry of that nature. And technology, logistics, transportation, packaging, you name it, it's all a big part of it. There was even some associations that were in there that I'm a member of. So the Illinois Manufacturing Association was also highlighted. And it was just a true honor to be a part of that and and be among some women that are super powerful and really spearheading the direction of the industry and trying to take charge. And it's, it's always great to see women start to take on these male-dominated industries and what we're able to do and achieve. And uh, I I just, I'm super proud of it. It, I also am proud of all the work that I've done with the high schools and through the internship programs and apprenticeship programs and mentoring that I've done. And it's always great to be recognized among your peers and to be able to share your story and to also help promote that type of mentorship. Because I know that we all need to do more of it. I've had a great success with being a mentoree to, to others and have helped me grow personally as well as helped me with the business. So the more that we can keep promoting women and, and promoting our industries, the better off we're going to be. And it just was such an honor. Nicole, 2019 was an amazing year for you and HM Manufacturing. You were recognized for your viewpoints by Forbes at the National Association of Manufacturers Fall Board of Directors meeting in Washington, D.C. What were the hot topics of discussion? Um, so what, what's great about the NAM, the National Association of Manufacturers, is that we meet twice a year. And in 2020, right before COVID happened, I was honored to be a part of their board. Um, and we have breakout sessions during these meetings. And we go into smaller group discussions and we talk about things that are really impacting the industry and what we can do to help and, and what we're doing to navigate these issues and how we could do something together and collaborate to spearhead some changes. And of course, this is always the number one thing that everyone in manufacturing talks about, and it's the skilled labor challenge. And we all talk about that there's going to be 2.4 million manufacturing jobs that probably will go unfilled by 2028. And that's what the studies are saying. And what that means is that it puts about $450 billion in production at risk. And obviously, we're all looking for a reshoring initiative. And since COVID happened, it's even a a bigger thing to bring things back to the United States so that we could keep our supply chain a little bit more closed. 
And if we don't have the skilled labor to help us grow our own sectors and keep things internally, we're not going to be competitive on a global scale. And so a lot of us during that time, we're talking about what we could do to help promote. And obviously, I've talked about earlier about internships and apprenticeship programs and mentoring. But I feel like it has to go beyond that. Because parents are always going to want different things for our children. I think that that's important. And that's fine. But kids are so ingrained with social media. And I think as manufacturers, we need to step outside of the box. And we need to be able to talk about what we're doing in our own manufacturing plant. Um, to make it a little bit more exciting to be. And obviously, state-of-the-art technology is number one. Having robotics is, is also a very big part with AI being a, the next big wave. I think we also need to be more diverse. We need to be a little bit more inclusive. We need to have different types of people at our companies to be a little bit more relatable. Social media is huge, so we should be we should be showcasing our employees and, and the good that they do and how they've maybe gone from shipping and receiving to a high-end uh, machinist. I mean, that's happened in, in my company too. And so I think just like storytelling and, and sharing is, is huge. Uh, being on social media, of course, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I know with kids these days, Instagram's like the new thing. And I think we should be focusing on, on those types of technology and social media aspects. And, and, of, and of course, we need to continue to encourage kids to pursue a career in manufacturing, however that is. So getting involved with your local high schools or the community college and, and show that it's not just a dirty factory like it used to be, that there are great wages. You can definitely make a, a fantastic um, earning. And um, those things are super, super important. And then on top of that, we definitely talked about the factory of the future and what that actually means. And you're talking about automation and how we can start representing that into our own shops. And of course, there's going to be some deviation to that. You have larger, uh, you have larger corporations that are going to have the robotics. They're going to have more of that production facility versus my company that we're so small and we do different products and we're changing over constantly that the automation and the AI might not be a thing for us, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we stop there. We, you know, we have to keep investing into technology. We have to be able to keep up with the larger corporations so that we don't stay stale. We can stay competitive and stay in business at the same time. Um, and a lot of people have that same feeling. Automation's expensive, but as the years go by, it's just like when everyone had the first flat screen TVs. I remember my dad going to uh, ABT and, and, and purchasing like a $15,000 flat screen. And today they're, you know, $500. So it, it's kind of the same, same concept. You kind of have to wait to see automation go down a bit, but that doesn't mean that you don't look into other ways to engage in, in technology. And so for us, IOT is huge. Um, the internet of things So we're trying to onboard all of our machines so that we could look at our phones to see if there's a machine that's down the efficiency rates. Um, are we making this part effectively and efficiently? And so those types of, of technology-based improvements are, are huge for small manufacturers like ourselves to continue to innovate and, and be competitive. The other thing that I think a lot of us were talking about is, you know, reducing regulatory red tape. That's obviously a no-brainer, um, especially for small manufacturers. We have to make sure that 
we can stay competitive and um, not be able to go out of business because of all of the production being sent overseas and other regulations that hurt us like tax policies and stuff of that nature. And so um, even though, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a small group, we're also a very large group because manufacturing does run the economy. Um, everyone always does look at that index to see what's happening and they kind of shape the economy numbers based off manufacturing. So, you know, we're just trying to talk about the things that are happening in our businesses with tax policies and how we could uh, be more on an advocacy level with our state representatives or others at the White House. And um, that's been huge too. And we've talked about that if you're not a part of your association, it's hard to be heard because we're the ones that are, are feeling the types of pain. So if we don't, we don't invest into being a part of these organizations and to help spread the word, we're not really helping ourselves in any way. And, you know, we did talk about the R&D spending and, and how the tax cuts really did help um, our small businesses. Of course, I shared earlier about the uh, capital equipment that I purchased um, and what that did for the local community as well for the workforce here. So those types of stories need to be heard. They need to be shared. And I think that the more that we can get out there and do that, the better it is for all of us. So um, it, it's been exciting. It's, it's been fun to to see the changes and to see what manufacturing has gone through over the past uh, few years and how robust it is lately. Your energy is contagious, Nicole. And I know that everybody is going to want to hear how you along with other manufacturing leaders, met with the Vice President, Pence, to help push passage of the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement to manufacturing in the United States. Who were you working alongside in this discussion, and what were your results? Well, it passed. So USMCA did pass, and it just went into effect about a few weeks ago. So that was very exciting to be a part of it. Um, I originally was asked to be on this roundtable by the Job Creators Network. They thought that as a small manufacturer, I could really give a different viewpoint from some of these large corporations that were there. I mean, you had anyone from the CEO of Coca-Cola to your large automotive companies, and to be a part of that discussion and, and share what I did was, was great. We were there for about an hour and a half. The vice president was very thoughtful in his approach, and he was excited to hear what we had to say. He wanted to be able to get this through um, to help all of us as manufacturers. There was dairy farmers there. Um, there just was a lot of people that you didn't think were going to be so impacted by the USMCA, um, and, and, and they were. And so we talked about you know, tariff-free trade and what that would actually do for manufacturers and especially in Illinois because that's where we are and, and that's what I know more than anything um, we would have actually faced a minimum of 560 million dollars in extra taxes if we didn't have the tariff-free trade across from Mexico and Canada and so speaking on that and me being in the power transmission sector with um, food processing beverage and packaging um, a lot of my main customers, they send their machines to Canada and to Mexico. And so if we can't be competitive in what we do, we can't have that free trade, it actually makes our products more expensive. And what we were trying to get across from 
um, our side of things as a small manufacturer that is very much based with food processing, beverage, and packaging to the vice president was that if we can't do that, it makes it more expensive. And we're actually going to see more people shy away from doing business with the United States or purchasing machinery on that side of things and go to other, other countries who could make it for more of an affordable price. And that's what scares us more than anything is we have to make it so that we could be competitive in a global market but also be fair to everybody. Obviously, we know Mexico has way cheaper labor than we do. And so to discuss what it would be like to have um, U.S. automotive companies be able to purchase U.S.-based components at a higher skilled rate, but have to use that in their, in their cars and use those components, that's huge because that helps that helps with our labor market, that helps increase jobs, it helps the production in the US, and it opens the trade avenue that we didn't really have before. So having that type of discussion and then talk about the stronger intellectual property rules to protect uh, our manufacturing investments, that's another massive one. Talking about uh, encouraging companies to use more US content and, and high wage labor, um, that levels the playing field. And that's what we're looking for is we want to be able to expand our, our market-based companies to other countries. And, and in order for that to happen, we need to have new rules, new regulations, and to have more free access to these types of um, countries. So it went over really well, obviously, it passed. Um, and so far, so good. I, I'm seeing an uptick on my side of things from the food process, beverage, and packaging industry, I'm seeing more R&D. I'm, I'm seeing more innovation when it comes to that. And I just think overall, it's super important that we continue to have these types of policies that help promote U.S. manufacturing. Nicole, what advice can you give to manufacturing companies today that want to get more involved in promoting manufacturing as a career and supporting their communities, regions, states, and the future of United States-based manufacturing? I think it's really important for us um, to really contact your local associations and see what they're doing for the communities and, and if they have a manufacturing program or not. It's super important for us to get involved and, and inquire at local high schools and STEM programs, engineering programs, and see what they offer. See if we could even be a part of their advisory board for local high schools. Um, I know Lake Zurich High School didn't have that advisory board for the manufacturing side. And once I was able to meet some of the, um, the people that were involved with their education program, they asked me if I'd like to offer some input. And I said, you know, I think you should have an advisory board. I think you should get some local business leaders from around the neighborhood and, and have us be a part of it because we're the ones who are employing your students. And we know, we know more about our businesses than we do, of course, on the education side, but we also know what it takes to employ students and employ the next generation. And that is super important for us to be visible, uh, to showcase on social media what we're doing in our own businesses, especially on the manufacturing side. Um, let them see how they've gone from one type of maybe CNC level all the way up, see the progress, see the pro, uh, progression, showcase how we're, how we're training all of our employees. 
I think that's really important for Gen Z to see that because they are very much into career paths and they want to be able to see that they can grow within a company. And if they can't see that, they're not going to want to be a part of that. And obviously in manufacturing, there's so many types of divisions. We have accounting, we have marketing, we have uh, engineering, we have robotics, we have R&D, we have machinists. We have so many different things, so many different avenues, and we need to be able to promote that internally and, and showcase that in the social media world and be a part. Um, go, to, go to your schools. Say that you could do a, a shop tour. Be, be a part of the reason for change. I think that's very important, that we need to be more vocal, more transparent, and take the time. I, I know it's, it's everyone's like, I don't have time, I don't have time, but when we don't have these jobs anymore and we don't have people who could fill these jobs, it's going to be very sad because we didn't take the time to show what manufacturing is all about and get the next work, uh, the next generation interested into our workforce. So it's super important for us to mentor, um, give opportunities and be a part of the change. And so we all need to take part of that and, and try to offer it in any way, shape or form. So calling your high schools, your grade schools, um, your associations and see how you can get involved is super, super important. Nicole, it's been a pleasure hearing from you today, and you are a wealth of knowledge, experience, and information. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that? They could reach me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or they could email me at Nicole.Wolter at hmmanufacturing.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E dot W-O-L-T-E-R. And you can always call the office, 847-487-8700. I'm always available. I try to help whenever I can. Um, and if I don't answer, you can always leave a voicemail, but I'll definitely get back to you. So um, thank you so much, Debbie, for having me. It's been a true, true honor. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Nicole. You have been listening to Thought Leaders Talk Business, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Debbie Fleeman. If you would like to reach me, email me at debbief at creativetechresources.com or pick up the phone and call 847-902-4175.